that you've chosen to join us this morning, and we have this congregation here. Uh, we have just a lovely group of people here in the congregation. I'm sure if you're sitting there watching this live stream and sipping your coffee or whatever, you know, uh, that's good. We bless you today. We're glad you've joined us. At any time that you can get on the website and the ways that we can communicate the Word of God to you, uh, we just pray that that would happen and your life would be changed. So we welcome you today. We know that God is up to great things. And if I said that to all of you today, all of you would say, yes, indeed, he is. But yet, sometimes it doesn't look like that. So the title of today's message is God is Good, because we've been talking about the attributes of God and uh, who God is. And God is gracious, God is compassionate, and God is powerful. And today, we're going to talk about that God is good. And so we want to explore that particular theme. But before we do, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege of coming together in the name of Jesus, most powerful, majestic, beautiful name there ever has been or ever will be. His name is Jesus, Father. Thank you, Father, that we can come before your throne of grace and we can ask for grace and mercy in our time of need because your word, you yourself have invited us. And so we welcome you today, Holy Spirit of God, to come and touch us and speak to our hearts. We welcome you to do whatever you want to in this place. We ask you right now to come and and. Do the things that are next to your heart on each individual heart, Father. And we know that it will be good because you're good. And so today we just stop. We reflect. We think. We meditate. And Lord, today we, we receive your word, Lord. The power of your word is it changes our lives and changes our hearts. We love you. We praise you. And so you speak, Lord, and let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power and change our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we uh, lost an hour. So uh, if, you know, if y'all doze off, or if y'all doze off, I can't see you through live streaming, but if you do, and so forth, I may stop momentarily every now and then through the sermon, and then call you back to attention. So anyway, we're going to get through this. They keep changing everything. Everything's changing. The older I get, I don't like change. So anyway, I pray that you'll stay with us today. Our scripture is going to be 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 30. 34, excuse me. Verse 34. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His love endures forever. Verse 34 of 1 Chronicles 16. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His love endures forever. You remember saying grace at the table when you are younger? You know? You remember how it went here. God is great. God is good. And we thank Him for this food. By His hand, we are fed, obviously. And give us, Lord, our daily bread. You remember when you used to say that. God is great and God is good. And uh, by His hand, we've been fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Good theology there. It's right on, okay? Because God is great and God is good. And so it's sure. And simple, it's right on here. And we obviously prayed and we hope that the potatoes didn't get cold before we finished our prayer. So we pray these prayers, but God is good. But sometimes it doesn't look like it, is it? And we think in this COVID situation and all the things that we're facing individually and also uh, as a nation, as a church and so forth, it doesn't always look, look good. But when we say God is good, and you go, yes, you automatically would say, oh, yes, of course, he's God. And we would say that, uh, obviously, right off 
uh, as we speak of this. But when we're suffering and we're, when we're going through a, a time of pain of, or difficulty or trial, obviously, then it's a little bit more difficult to fully agree with what I'm talking about today. We have questions about it. And so our response at those times to the question of whether God is good doesn't come so quickly here. So we say, why this illness? Why this loss? And why this painful relationship? And why this financial problem? Why this uh, the disappointment in my life? Why is that when we look at it? If God is good all the time, could you really say, oh, well, really? Is that true? And so let's just today say it together and I'll say it and you can then say it with me. God is good all the time. Let's say it together. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Let's say it again. God is good all the time and all the time, God is good. And so if you don't remember anything else about this uh, message today, remember that. Because it will change your life. No matter what's going on in your life. And no matter what the circumstances are. God is good all the time. And so I'm going to look here at two things. First of all, I'm going to look at what the Bible says about God's goodness. And second, I'm going to show you why it makes a difference in our lives. When you know that God is good all the time. Okay. So first of all, the first point is God is good here. The Bible teaches that God is good. He is morally upright and pure. He is just and he's righteous. There's not a slightest hint of evil or sin or wrongdoing in his nature. He is absolutely perfect and holy. The Bible says there is no shadow of turning with him. He is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. He is good all the time. There's no blemishes in him. There's no darkness at all in him. He's completely holy. He's completely pure. He's completely righteous. He's completely justice in that sense. Certainly here. In 1 John chapter 1, God is light and in him, in him there is no darkness at all. And then in Psalm 92, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. And then in Job 34, remember what Job went through? He went through some real tough times, and remember? And he was a man, a righteous man, but God obviously allowed Satan to sift him at that time. And how Job came out on the other end, eventually... Job came and God blessed him double from what he had because he lost a lot. In Job 34, it says, Far be it from God to do evil, from the Almighty to do wrong. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. God always does what is right, period. God will never treat us unfairly. He'll never break his promises. He will never punish anyone unjustly. And it seems like a problem here, especially because we have the mindset that we deserve all these things. We deserve prosperity. We deserve good health. We deserve uh, all, always a car in the garage and we uh, all these types of things. We think we deserve this, but in that reality, we don't deserve any of them. All they are is an act of God's grace. God gives them to us because why? He loves us. And so we think this. And so in our, in our mind, when we get a pink slip or when we fall into financial difficulty, you would question and say, Jim, how can we say that God is good all the time? Because again, we think we deserve a trouble-free life. When the storms of life blow through, we'll grumble against God and His oversight of our lives. And many people have walked away from God because God didn't do what uh, they thought He was supposed to do or what they were praying that He would do. And so many people have kind of abandoned the faith because of that. But as we look at this, this is a change of life. You believe it. 
Because whatever you're going through today, it means still God is good, right? If He's good all the time, He doesn't change. When things are happening, obviously, and they're not up to what we thought they would be, you go back to the foundation that God is good and He's good all the time. Now, that does not mean that we don't live in a fallen society, in a fallen world. When Adam and Eve sinned there against God, remember, they brought death into the picture because they were to live forever in communion and fellowship with God. But they obviously sinned, and so they brought death in. They brought in all these things that we see today, and obviously we're a part of that. But God, in His infinite mercy, had a plan in place to send His only begotten Son, Jesus, who in a few weeks will celebrate, and we celebrate every day, don't we? The resurrection, Easter certainly, as it's called and, and all, but it actually uh, the time when Jesus went to the cross and He arose from the grave on the third day. So God had a plan to restore mankind back to that relationship with Him. And He did it perfectly. By sending His only begotten Son into the world. And so when we see these things that uh, we think are bad, yeah, they are bad. They're not necessarily good. But we still, God is good. And if we look through them, we can find out something that God is doing in and through the worst circumstances in our life here. The Bible says that God is, always does what is right. So there's a discrepancy between our expectations and reality. And the problem isn't with the quality of God's justice because He's perfectly just. He's perfect. And the problem was with my expectations. I expect God to do this and I do that. And when He doesn't do that, then sometimes I question, God, are you good? Are you really good in what you say, what I know truly down in my heart here? And so, however, obviously it's not really not enough to know that God is inherently righteous, that He's good in a purely objective sense, right? But that doesn't satisfy. That doesn't comfort. And what we really want to know is that God is good towards us, towards you and me. That He's kind, that He's compassionate, and that He's merciful and gracious to each one of us. And we talked about that compassion and obviously the graciousness in the messages in the last few weeks here. And so the second point is God is good towards us. In Psalm 31, listen to it. Remember, we're using the Word of God, which is truth. It doesn't change. It is the word of God. It is truth. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. He says, how great is your goodness towards those who revere you. And then in Psalm 86, you're forgiving and good, O God, abounding in love to all who call on you. And then in Psalm 100, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And then in Nahum 1, verse 7, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. So the Bible is continuing to declare that God is good here. He is good all the time and he's good to his people. But if that's true, then why do we doubt? Why do we wonder whether or not God actually is really good? Because we lack God's perspective. We don't understand that. Because God's ways are not our ways. God's ways of dealing with us as His children are not the same as what we would think that He would be. We're way off. Why? In Isaiah 55, He says, My ways are higher. Are not your, your ways. My ways are not your ways. They're higher than your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're higher 
They're far above what we can understand. And remember a couple of weeks ago, we were saying, well, we don't understand some things that are going on. I don't think it's necessarily saying, Lord, would you show me this and, and ask that you give me what obviously the answer to my questions and so forth. And he does that, but sometimes he doesn't. So when he doesn't answer our question or he doesn't sort of live up to our expectations, what do we do? We go back to the basics and we say, you're good. And there's something happening here that I do not understand. And it's important to understand that. Okay, here's the key. God loves us so much that he's willing to do what's necessary in our lives to bless us. Even if we can't comprehend it or appreciate it. He's willing to do that. To do what is in our long-term interest. Regardless if there's some short-term pain that's going on. He knows the eternal aspect of our life. And he's looking to prepare us for heaven, certainly here. Now, you think about this for a moment. You say, but Jim, what if I brought on these misfortunes in my life? What if I caused them in my life? What if I sinned against God? And we know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says in 1 John, he says that obviously we confess our sins. Even as Christians, we sin, we stumble and fall. And so even if we brought something on, God can turn it around. God can do that. And you say, well, what if somehow, you know, I went through this and I was in rebellion towards God. God can do these things and make something good out of that. We don't want to do that, certainly. But we know sometimes we drift away from God. God has a way of bringing us back. And we come back and repent and turn back to Him. And He graciously accepts us back. But He knows, obviously, what it's going to take to make us more like Jesus Christ. And it obviously sometimes some very rough times in our life, isn't it? I don't like it. And maybe you don't like it either. But God does this because he knows our well-being and he he knows our eternal good is most important, even if it's about the short term pain that we we uh, have. God loves us enough not to stop when we complain or protest, but to continue working in our lives, even when we resist, obviously, and complain. Isn't that good? God is good. All the time. Kathy just said it. God is good. He's good. And he loves me so. He loves you so. And that never changes. His love for us. Remember a couple of weeks ago, you know, when you're bad, God loves you. When you're good, God loves you. We think somehow when I'm bad, you know, because we're taught by even sometimes parents and saying, you better be good. You better good. Y'all know that, don't we? we all say it, don't we? You better be good. And so somehow that that is that meaning is 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 meant in some way or we interpret that to mean well if i'm not if i mess up somehow well you know uh somehow there's going to be a disapproval here and so forth and all all this and see god is love he's pure love and he loves us no matter what listen to this from this is c.s lewis from his book mere christianity quote did you ever think when you were a child what fun it would be if your toys could come to life well suppose you could really have brought them back to life Imagine turning a tin soldier into a real little man. It would involve turning the tin into flesh. And suppose the tin soldier didn't like it, that he's interested. He's not interested in flesh. All he sees is that the tin is being spoiled. He thinks you're killing him. He'll do everything he can to prevent you. He will not be made into a man if he can help it. Isn't that true for us? God's turning us, making us more like Jesus. And what happens is we're like, wow, this hurts because I didn't think I signed up for this. Right. But God is saying today, I am committed to you. I want you to be more like Jesus and I will use what it takes for that to come to pass. 
God says he does that. The third point, God's goodness is unique. And part of the difficulty in understanding God's goodness is that he is entirely unique. He's different from us. Listen to this, Mark chapter 10. Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him and said, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, Jesus, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, and no one is good except God alone. And when we evaluate whether God is good, what are we doing? We're setting up a standard in our minds and we're comparing God to that standard to see how he treasures us. And we say, if God is good, then he would do this or he would do that. He would do it my way. And we have our own standard, don't we, of goodness and what that actually means and so forth. Because again, some things are not good. I'll be honest, they are not good, certainly. But God doesn't change. And God can take those bad things and he can turn them around, certainly. And so where does that come from? By our teaching, by maybe schools that we went to, Maybe by just, obviously, we've sort of uh, inherited it by osmosis, so to speak. We've been around people and so forth. We have all these perceptions about what God is and, and so forth. Uh, maybe teachings and all <clears throat> and so forth. But really, it's our, we, we lack understanding because we have the wrong expectations about who God is. And so we have our own personal standard for judging goodness. The problem is that any standard we can come up with is inferior to the thing judged by judged by God here. Because God's judgment and standard is the only standard, certainly. And any other judgments we make of God's goodness outside of, of what the scriptures say about him and who God is, is wrong. We have to realize that. He says again, Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For my, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts here. And so, you remember Tiger Woods, bless his heart, we need to pray, ask God to heal Tiger because he had that accident out in California. But actually, Tiger Woods is probably the standard for golf players. Don't you believe that? Probably one of the best, if not the best. And so other golfers will come and they'll look and they'll sort of uh, compare themselves to him because Tiger Woods is the standard. He is such a good golf player and so forth. So they try to achieve as he is because he has set the bar high and so forth. And so they try to reach that in one way or another. You know, um, I don't know who's golfer and so forth and all that. I am not. Uh, my experience a couple times of playing golf was when I hit the ball, it took and, and curved into it. And I think it broke somebody's window in their house. OK, and I would hit the, the turf so bad I, I chopped the uh the, the putting green up so bad and so forth. I think that it was probably irreparable. But that's my standard there of that, okay? But see, they perceive, we look at these things and see a standard. In the same way, we try to set our own standard up by other things we see or what we've learned or maybe even somebody else's life. And it's not God. So we don't have the perspective that certainly we should have. We don't. His ways. We don't understand what God does through these things. But we have to get down the fact God is good all the time. Because if you don't believe that, and obviously, when you go through life and you face some really difficult times and so forth, you won't be able to go through those. And obviously, uh, with the grace of God, you'll complain and grumble and you'll fight against it. You'll rebel against it and so forth and all. And uh, that's just the way it is. The third point here is, what does this mean to believe in God's goodness? Actually, it means that when things happen to us that are painful, unhappy, confusing, 
when unwelcome events disrupt our lives, we either see them as coming from a good God. And they come at us. The issue is sometimes when one thing happens, that, that we can kind of get brace up and we go through that. But when somebody else, something else happens, and then when something else happens, and then when something else happens, you see, that's when we look at it. That's when our faith is tested on whether or not we really believe that God is good. Because we can, I can stand up here all day long and teach this and talk about this. And you go, yeah, Jim, that's right. That's right. I know biblically that's true that God is good. But man, where the rubber hits the road is when we face the trials of life. And there's one after the other that we are hit with. Do we still believe that God is good through all that? He's the same. He hasn't changed. And so we have to believe in one way or another that God is doing something that, that obviously we just don't understand. And we have to learn to trust him. Now, obviously, I want to state up here uh, as, a, as a note here is that we're in a war, a spiritual war against you and me. John chapter 10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And so we are in a spiritual battle and it doesn't mean we don't pray. It doesn't mean that we just certainly accept that. Ultimately, we do. We say, Lord, whatever reason you allow this in my life, but I'm going to pray because God obviously trains our hands for war. He, he calls us to pray and we pray against it. That's God says, obviously not to, but we pray against it and we pray. But sometimes our prayers doesn't seem like that our prayers are having any effect upon it, but it does. It's changing, obviously, our heart first because his whole concern and focus is upon you and me as his children, his believers in Jesus Christ, where he's changing our hearts when we pray. So it means we pray, but it doesn't mean we just sit back and say, OK, have a laissez-faire type of attitude. And say anything goes because God is good. And he's allowed this in. And maybe illness or whatever it may be. Or maybe a demonic attack. Whatever it is. No, we pray. But we have to believe that God is good. He knows Jesus was saying that he is good. No matter what is going on in our lives here. He will bring it about to bless us. Even in the worst types of things. And even when he prospers us. It is to funnel us. And obviously to bless us spiritually. To build us up in Jesus Christ. The whole thing is getting us ready to go to heaven. Amen? It's to get us prepared to go to heaven. This is not our home. We're passing through. Just sojourners. We're pilgrims passing through this life. And, and the Bible says in the book of James that, that life is like a mist. You know how a mist does. You, you spray it out there and it's gone real fast. I don't know about you. But in my years, it's been, it goes through mighty fast. And we've all had certain experiences. God will use those things in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Again, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Every, everything in our lives, he will turn around. Even the times when we stumbled and fell, he'll turn it around for our good, obviously. Somehow, through all of that, whether we learned a lesson, or whether or not it was something that we really did for the glory of his kingdom, he will bless us in that sense. So I'd like to make a couple of comments about this first. First of all, I mentioned before, God's idea of what is good may differ greatly from ours, certainly here. God may bless us even in material ways, again, to funnel us spiritually and to build us up spiritually. But God is primarily concerned with our salvation. And he's concerned with making us more like Jesus, refining our character, obviously preparing us for the life to come. And we're often concerned just about these earthly things. In fact, the things of this life sometimes catch our attention more and more. In fact, when things are happening, so much of it, we're focused more on the things of life than we are the things of God. And we begin distracted instead of that. 
God says, I can change that vision that you have in your heart back to my presence and what I have for each one of us. He's thinking about forever and ever here. The second thing, it doesn't say that all things are good. Disease isn't good. Suffering isn't good. Being hurt or mistreated isn't good. But God can turn these things and produce something good out of it here. He can bring it about, change things. I know sometimes this may be a hard lesson to swallow in this situation, but I'm telling you, God can turn it around. So you may be listening here today and good things are not happening to you. And you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You trust Christ. You put your faith in him as Savior and Lord. And you're thinking, why is all this happening? You believe somehow God has abandoned you. Jesus said in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never. Jesus will not walk away from you. And so you may be saying, well, why is all this happening to me? He's doing something deeper in our lives than what you realize. I'm not saying don't pray. You need to pray and pray against it and pray that for God's healing or deliverance or whatever it may be. But God is saying today, I am good. And I will work that out in your life if you'll just yield your life to me. And believe me. You see, one of the greatest sins is unbelief when we don't believe him. And sometimes when we walk in and we hear the message and so forth and all, and we're trying to grasp the truth that God is trying to reveal to our hearts and we leave and so forth. And then we obviously it's kind of like, well, it's gone and so forth. We need to grab a hold of this truth because this will transform your life. You'll walk with Jesus because life is tough, folks. Life is not easy. And you know what? If we're sitting here today and nothing is happening in your life, and I, I certainly don't, obviously we know, but we don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, if you haven't been through troubles, then more likely you will. But I know all of us sitting here today, and I'm sure all of you watching, that we've been through things. And you've got to know who God is in this. You see, knowing who God is, that yes, He's gracious, and yes, He's compassionate, and yes, He's all-powerful, but also that He's good. And no matter what happens, he doesn't change. And no matter what happens, <clears throat> you can't disappoint him in that, okay? You know, sometimes when we wander away from him, you're not disappointing to him. He already knows what you're going to do anyway. And how can you somehow disappoint somebody that already knows what you're going to do in that? He just loves us so much that he wants to gather us in. And he wants a relationship with you and me. It happens to be he knows what's best. And he is good all the, all the time. Being hurt, mistreated. People say sharp words at you. Cut you down. Words hold power. Holds the, holds the power of life and death according to Proverbs. It does, doesn't it? God can use them to produce something good in our lives. And God's working through the events in our lives. Certainly every event, happy and sad, pleasant and unpleasant, joyful and sorrowful, to bring about an end result which is good. Believe it? It's the word of God. Listen here in the book of James. First chapter, consider it, listen, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Count it all joy. Anybody ever read that scripture? I'm sure you have in James chapter 1. Count it all joy? How are you going to count it all joy? I mean, sometimes when it's really bad, or maybe when you're laid up somewhere, or whatever may be happening, how do I count it all joy? It's because down underneath all of that, you know that God is good, and He's good all the time. 
So what difference does this attitude make? What difference does it make if we truly believe and trust in God's goodness towards us? It gives us peace and joy in our present circumstances and gives the hope of the future. The walls may be collapsing around us, but if I'm confident that my circumstances come from the hand of a good God who loves me, I don't have to worry about it. I have peace no matter what because I know he'll work it out. Again, it doesn't mean we don't pray because it could be spiritual warfare. And the enemy can fire darts at you. The enemy can attack you. You need to pray, obviously. Well, whatever happens, remember, and obviously even in Job's life, God allowed Satan to do what he did. He only allows it. And then, obviously, in, in the Old Testament, it talks about that God allowed the enemy to stay in the land. Why? To test his people, to make them stronger. Because he's building perseverance in your life and my life. He's building character in my life and your life. Because character and integrity is more important than our momentary pleasures. Okay? But I love the momentary pleasures. I don't know about y'all. But certainly, something that obviously will last throughout eternity, he's building in my life and your life. Let's look at, first of all, God's goodness towards us. Important thing. An Air Force study years ago showed that we forget 95% of what we hear in 72 hours. Right up front, I want to share with you about this, what I'm talking about. 5% remember this. Keep this in mind, always. We'll forget a lot of what's going on, that God, no matter what you're going on, and you know what? I believe I need to preach it next week, don't you? Because probably most of us will forget it between now and next Sunday, right? Talk about it again, that God is good, no matter what's happening, because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the next week holds. And again, I read in Sunday school this morning in A.W. Tozer's book, Knowledge of the Holy, he wrote this. He said, the whole outlook of mankind might be changed if we could all believe, all believe, we dwell under a friendly sky and that the God of heaven, although exalted in power and majesty, is eager to be friends with us. We believe that. The God of all creation. The one who spoke and things came into existence. The whole universe. Galaxies, billions upon trillions of galaxies came into being. That God, the all-powerful, almighty God, He wants, obviously, to be friends with you and me. Isn't that great? And so do you think, if that's the case, and I believe everybody say, yes, Jim, that's true, then why wouldn't we think when bad things would happen to us that somehow God has let us, let us loose? We have disappointed Him for the last time. We walked away from Him for the last time. And yet God is always plotting. He wants to be friends with you and me. He wants a relationship with me and you. He wants a deep communion like we've never known before with me and you. That's who our God is. It isn't that good news, folks. I'm telling you. It just sets me free. It just lets me know that I don't have the sometimes cower over here where I think God doesn't see me. Remember when Adam sinned? And remember there, he was ashamed. <clears throat> remember, he realized he was naked. And he hid in the garden. How foolish that was. He tried to hide from God Almighty. Remember? And God said, Adam, why are you hiding? And he said, did you eat of that tree? I told you not to eat of it, and so forth. And he goes, yeah, I sinned and all. You see, that's the way it is with us. We see, we cower because somehow we think. But see, the God of all creation is eager to be friends with us. Wanting a relationship with you. And so I stop right now. Anybody listening to this who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who never has really stopped and said, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life 
and I want you to save me because I know I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've done some bad things. And I'm carrying guilt and shame like anybody's business. And I want to come to you today because this preacher is talking about forgiveness. This preacher is talking about you want, you're eager to be friends with me. And I want to know you. And I want to know that, that freedom and that joy that you give. And to know, no matter what comes in my life, that certainly I can go through it because I know you're good. I know that you've only allowed it so that somehow, one way or another, that you're doing something good in my life, even if it looks bad, I don't understand it. <clears throat> and somehow I just sort of buck up against it. But I want you to know, I want you in my life. If that's you out there today, I just ask you, bow your head and ask Jesus to come into your life and save you, to be your Lord and Savior. Do you believe that He is the Son of God and that He was sent as a sacrificial lamb to die for the sins of the world? If you believe that, bow your head and ask Christ to come into your life. Be your Lord and your Savior. Today may be that day that God just, again, touches you in that deep manner because you see, salvation is the most important gift that He's ever given. He gives so many good gifts and so great of who He is because He is. But salvation is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. We need to celebrate that, church. We need to celebrate that every day because of salvation, Jesus coming. He came voluntarily, laid His life down, and gave His life a ransom for many, certainly. In Psalm 16, verse 2, I said to the Lord, You are my God. Apart from you, I have no good thing. There in Matthew 19, Jesus said, God alone is good. The call of God on our life is for us to forsake our ways and thoughts because they're not good. They're not anywhere close to as high as God's. We need to obviously get the heart of God and understand here, we serve a God who wants the best for us. Do you believe it? We serve a God who wants to bless us. And sometimes the things that are done, we think are not blessings, certainly. But if we believe He's good, that when those things come our way, we can believe something's happening here for my good that I don't understand and I don't have the cognitive ability to understand it and rationalize it. Because God's ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are not our thoughts, you see. Obviously. It's very important to understand that as God presents things to us, we can experience the goodness of God. The goodness of God. When you pray for somebody, or when you obviously uh, call somebody and give a word of encouragement, don't you feel better about yourself? Don't you feel you want to bless that person? But when you do what God's called you to do, when you reach out and touch people that are hurting and people that don't have hope, don't you just feel much better? Don't you feel fulfilled? Why? It's because we're fulfilling the call of God on our lives here. So how do I know God is so good? Look at, I look at Jesus here. <clears throat> he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the fathers, the word of God says. So when the Pharisees brought the woman taken in adultery to Jesus, what was going on in their minds? Well, let me just speculate a bit. Jesus showed the mercy and love of God. And that's why the rabble was so attracted to him. Those you and me, you read, we were just rabble rousers, aren't we? But he's attracted to us. Isn't that good news? <laughs> okay. You see the whole world is rabble rousers. Okay. They're rebellious and, and so forth. But he just loves people. And so he loved this people, this lady called in, in adultery. And so the law is clear that adulterers at that time, that adulterers are to be stoned. And so they were thinking here was a chance to pit this mercy and goodness of Jesus so often displayed against the clear judgment of the law. He's saying, you're breaking the law, Jesus, here, okay? Now, they couldn't show everyone that he was opposed to the law here. And so, of course, Jesus knew their hearts. But the goodness of God extends to them also. He loved them, the ones that were against him, certainly. 
here. And Jesus wrote on the ground, I think he was asking the father, how do I show them that they also need to repent? And the father was faithful to give him the answer that showed the goodness of God. Remember when he wrote on the ground what they did? They looked at that and they all went away. And remember, Jesus asked the lady, he said, where are your accusers? And if she looked around, they're gone. Because see, the law had said, this lady has to be a stone. And so what Jesus probably wrote on the ground there, maybe, I don't know, we can all speculate, certainly here. He began to write out sins of those people that were in the group there. And they looked at that and they went, whoa, I'm guilty too. And I need to repent. But what God was doing that when he calls us to repentance is he's showing his goodness to us because he wishes none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. Everybody. He doesn't obviously condemn people to hell. People make a choice not to receive Jesus Christ in their life. He's not obviously condemning. He's obviously offering that free gift, a free gift of salvation for all who will humble their hearts and say, Yes, the Jesus Christ, you see. That's what it's all about. That's the goodness of God when you think about it here. Jesus, obviously, remember the first group he appeared to at the resurrection. We'll celebrate here a few weeks, a couple of weeks, three or four weeks and so forth. Remember, Jesus said, can you all stay over here and pray for me? Pray over here. Remember, they all went to sleep. And they obviously abandoned him. When Jesus was captured by the guard and taken in, getting ready to go before the court, to be condemned, to remember what they did, they all scattered. Remember there, Peter? He was a real big fisherman. I would imagine in statute that Peter was a big dude, okay? And that he was a fisherman. He was strong and mighty and all that. And that little teenage girl said, weren't you with him? And remember, Peter said, no, indeed, I wasn't with him. Eventually, the last time he said, I saw you there with him and so forth. And Peter cursed, he said. But what did Jesus do when he came back? Did he condemn them? Did he take and say, you guys went to sleep when I told you to pray? Did he obviously just get down on them and so forth? No. You know what he said? He said, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things and lo, I've commanded you. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. He didn't do that. The same way with us, you see. We come to him after many, many years of rejecting him and turning away because we said, I'm having fun. I don't want any of this Jesus stuff. Are you kidding me? And so forth. And so what do we do? We reject and reject. Eventually, our world around us crumbles and we begin to look up. What's really at the bottom is when we realize we can't save ourselves and we finally look up and we say, Lord, have mercy on me. And God says, I receive you. I take you in. That's the goodness of God, church. That's the goodness of God and how great. And it's good news, you see, because God is good all the time. It's the best news ever was or will be here because the goodness of God is towards each one of us. God always obviously is so good to us. He never changes. And God is so if God, God is so good. And why does he insist to do things his way? Because sin is fun. Why? Obviously, Scripture acknowledged there is pleasure in sin for a season. But the season ends, and then you reap the wages of sin, which is death. It is the goodness of God that insists we walk with Him and put to death our old nature. Talks about it. Crucify self and take up your cross daily 
and follow him. But it looks like even as Christians, we can fall into those patterns, can't we? Because they were always a part of our life. And man, it looks like there's a whole lot of pleasure in that. And see, it is pleasure in sin, but only for a short time. And after that, the wages of sin are death. Always, you see. And if we continue in that sin, then obviously we will, we will die spiritually in that. We won't have the relationship with God that we would have. God brought us back to life. He's saying, do it my way. It'd be right. Except love me and know that I am good all the time, no matter what. Remember at the story of creation, at the end of every day, remember what did God say? It is good. It is good because God is good here. He said, don't eat of that tree and that Adam and Eve. Why? Because he knew it would bring, obviously, they would, be, they would die in their sins. They could never be saved. God knew what was best. They began doing things rebelling. And God knows what's best for you and me because he's good. And he's good all the time. And certainly you can sit here today and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can say the goodness of God was extended to you. Not because of anything you could do. In fact, you were, <clears throat> you were at the bottom. You're the rotten apple at the bottom of the barrel. Okay? Is that right? You go, Jim, don't get so personal, okay? I'm speaking for myself. You were a rotten apple at the bottom of the barrel. And God reached down and he restored you because of Jesus Christ. And there wasn't anything we could do. Always through his mercy and his grace, we somehow said, yes, I don't understand that. The mystery of salvation. But it's the greatest gift. Why? Because God is good all the time. He didn't have to save us. Jesus said, I lay my life down voluntarily. No man takes my life from me. I do it voluntarily. No one could take his life. You think the soldiers there, the Roman soldiers, they took your life? Yeah, physically they did. But obviously, Jesus yielded his life because he knew. And he loved us so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent His Son not in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That is the goodness of God. And man, I want to tell you, we could talk about it all day long, couldn't we? But I'm not going to do that. We're going to cut this off in just a moment. But I pray that God has spoken to your hearts today and that you realize no matter what you're going through, you see, I know you've heard this, God doesn't make mistakes. You know that? Everybody say, yeah, it's right, Jim. God does not make mistakes. He does not. You know, he doesn't cause all these things because we live in a fallen world, we know. But what does it mean? God can restore them. God can turn it around. Make, work something out of it. God can work it through. You go, how is that? I don't understand that. Neither do I. And you don't have to. You just believe, don't you? Because the whole thing is, why did God Almighty, the one that lived in glory, he came down from his palace, his riches and glory from heaven to be born in a manger of a virgin of the Holy Spirit of God to walk amongst man and obviously forgive, love and restore and deliver like he did. I don't understand that, do you? I don't. But I know one thing. I believe it. I believe every word in this Bible. And I pray that you will also. Let's pray together. Father, we bless you today. We praise you. There's no one like you, Lord. No one. No one. And so we come today, Lord, with uplifted hands saying, Lord, today, come and fill us. And Father, come and bless us. Touch us, dear Lord. Help us to know you because that's our heart's desire.
Father, today we want to know you. And Father, one of those things we know that you are good and you're good all the time. And there's no one like you. We can't understand it, but Lord, we believe today and by faith we receive. And Father, help us to walk in your ways. So show us your ways and teach us your paths and lead us into the way everlasting, oh God, because you're preparing us. You're preparing the church. And those who are watching today, Lord, we pray you'd bless them. You'd heal them. We ask for healing because you heal, Lord. We know, Lord, today we are in a fallen world. And we, we obviously, these bodies are decaying. We know there are illnesses out there. We know the COVID's around, dear Lord. We know that death, obviously, we're lurking. And we know that. But today, Lord, ask you to heal us, dear Lord, and use us for your glory, for your honor. Because we know, Lord, today you are good. And one day, we want to live with you. And I might say it like this, to live in your goodness, dear Lord, although we are living in your goodness right now, but Lord, in the fullness of your goodness, we want to be prepared to live in that when we go home to be with you. Get us ready, Lord, no matter what it takes. And Father, when we pray that prayer, we don't know what tomorrow will hold, but we do know who holds tomorrow. His name is Jesus, Father. We thank you and praise you. And we ask these things in the holy, majestic, and most powerful name there ever has been or will be. His name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray if you made a decision, get in a church. We're over here at 925 uh, 3rd Street in Lake City. Come over. Be a part with where we're worshiping together. I pray that God would protect us and continue to guide you in your life, but you would experience the Lord this week, maybe like you never have before. I do believe things are accelerating. I believe things are picking up. We need to get in the word. We need to pray and we need to get close to the Lord because I don't know what the future holds. But again, we know who holds the future. So bless you and God bless you. And this week, have a blessed week. We look forward to seeing you next week. Amen.